All right, uh, please take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians. We just had a few messages. I did a few messages on Christ's death and resurrection in the last few weeks. I wanted to just focus on it. I had two or three other messages that were reverberating my heart as well. I thought I'm just going to be preaching on this for the rest of the year if I don't shift gears and I'll save them for next year. But uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, after he... uh, sprung forth from the grave and in his resurrected body and defeated the grave and sin and death in his resurrection. Uh, It's amazing when you think about it because he appeared to his apostles and he told them to go into all the world and make disciples of all men. They weren't just to sit around. In fact, uh, when they saw him after that ascending into the heavens in the book of Acts, it's kind of interesting. They're talking about, you know, uh, he was going to store the kingdom of Israel and so forth. And then they, he commissions them to preach the gospel in all the world. He says, beginning here in Jerusalem, and then in Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth. And they were to go and make disciples. And they're gazing at him as he uh, ascends into a cloud. They're tripping out. And there's a couple of angels there. And the angels say, said, why are you standing here? <laughs> why are you standing here? In other words, get going, you know? And uh, the first thing that they need to do is get together and seek the Lord in prayer and, and wait for the power of the Spirit to endue the church with power from on high, with the dunamis of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to go and empower them to preach the resurrected Christ. Amen? And that's what they set out to do. And it's beautiful. Well, since we've had a few messages on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, it's time for us to go. It's time for us to get off our rear ends. I know it's like, well, that's kind of hard, though, because we're being locked down by the government because of COVID-19. And... Uh, and it's a tough one. I have so many things to say about that. We've discussed some things uh, on, uh, on our podcast, by the way. So I hope you're hearing our podcasts because we're going to be dealing with some of the technology. Uh, where Big Brother is going with this, what the Bible says about the coming world government and how this is being used by certain forces to get more and more power over people. And I do believe personally it's being used. I do believe that it's a serious thing. But I also believe that it's being used uh, by those who want power over you. And ultimately, it's greasing the skids for the ultimate Antichrist that comes because technology is being uh, utilized and thought of being utilized, I should say, in ways that were not acceptable before. But now people, if they have an ID to buy or sell, and they're one of the lucky ones that can be cleared by the government, it's considered like an awesome thing to so many people. But this will eventually become something far darker. I'm not saying it's going to happen right now, but I'm saying what's going on is the world is being conditioned. And I'm going to have a lot more to say about that, not only in our uh, podcast and so forth that we do throughout the week. And we're trying to provide for you uh, six messages or so a week, you know, five podcast messages, this Sunday message, uh, seven really, when you also consider uh, Wednesday night Bible study, which we also live stream. Somebody said, oh, I didn't know live stream. Wednesday nights was live stream. Yes, it is, you know. So uh, we have, you have us, one thing we're able to do during COVID-19 is the word of God is not being held bound. We're able to be in fellowship as leaders, leadership in the fellowship is able to be in fellowship and encourage people in the Lord pretty much every day of the week. Unlike almost every church doesn't usually have that. So God's given us this opportunity and we're taking advantage of it. We're not resting. You know, I'm working as harder, harder than I've ever worked, you know. Uh, my wife's smiling with going up like this. <laughs> <laughs> but praise God, man, that's what we're here. We're, like, we're here, we're vapors, man. Let's make our lives count, amen? And uh, it's important because that's what my message is about. After Jesus rose from the dead, he told them to go. 
You know, as you're going, make disciples. The imperative there is not go. It's as you're going, the imperative is make disciples, you know. And we're called to make disciples. And you can still do a lot from your home, okay. You could, because thank God, I mean, social media is a double-edged sword. And the, the worst edge of the sword is wicked and it prevails among most people. But there's the other side where we're able at this time so far, still for some period of time, to share the gospel uh, through the internet and so forth. So I encourage you to make sure through your phones, through Facebook. I mean, your Facebook, I'm sorry, man. I don't even you have a Facebook. But if I had a Facebook, I have Facebook. Some kid, 12-year-old kid hijacked it for years. I didn't even know it because I wasn't using it. And he was pretending to be me for years, you know. And I looked at some of his answers, you know, or they told me what he said. I'm still been on it. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know? And uh, finally, we got hold of it. And Tony and uh, Chad and whoever answers for me. And uh, But uh, if I was, because I don't have time. And it's not about me. It's about Jesus. But if I'm using Facebook, guess who you're going to know about? Jesus. It's not be all about me. It's to be about Jesus and the gospel and people being saved. And I hope you're using your Facebook to encourage people to know Jesus. I hope you're using the resources that are in your hands to shine the light of Christ. Because as Christians, he is who is supposed to be all about for us. Amen? But I want to ask you a question. Why are we still here? Why? Why are we still here as human beings? Why are we not raptured right away after we get saved. What's the deal? Why in the world are we not just taken straight to heaven right after we receive Jesus? Okay, I, I turn from my sin. I embrace Christ my Lord and Savior. Okay, I want to be with you forever. You love me. You sent your son for me. Wait, why am I still here? You know, this is a wicked world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would fight. He says, I've chosen you out of the world. This isn't his world. Satan is called the prince of power of the air, right? The ruler of this world system. This is his world. Talk about the world system. The planet belongs to God and the fullness thereof, amen. But the wicked world system, the kingdoms of this world that are influenced by Satan, that uh, Satan will give to the Antichrist, that, that power that Jesus rejected when Satan said, bow down to me, I'll give it to you. He'll give to Antichrist, Revelation 13. So why in the world did God leave us here when he could take us to heaven? We can hang out. Well, we're certainly not left here to be bumps on a log, Amen. We're left here for a few important reasons. And when you know those reasons, you should be convicted. If, first of all, if you don't know those reasons, then you need to know. Amen? Otherwise, you don't know why you're even here. That'd be kind of a bummer. It'd be like having some kind of form of amnesia where you're just wandering around aimlessly and pointlessly. But we're not to be aimless as believers. The Lord has given us our marching orders. Amen? And we're supposed to be shining the light of Christ. So there's a few reasons why he left us here. One of the reasons, I'm just going to give you three, three good ones, is to test our faith. The scriptures speak in the New Testament and the Old, but the New Testament, that our faith is being tested. And that God is checking out our hearts. And he tests our hearts to see who we are going to choose to be. And whether we're going to continue in the faith during trials, during testings. Whether we're going to hold fast to the faith. And he that endures, Jesus said, will be saved. Now we're already saved. If you're a Christian, you're saved by grace through faith right now. But there's also our final salvation. Our salvation is nearer to us, Paul said, than when we first believed. Talking about final salvation. He that endures the end, the same will be saved, Jesus said. Our final salvation. Okay? Now, it's important to understand that between here, spiritual Egypt, and the promised land, is the wilderness that we're in. Amen? And we go through this wilderness, and our faith is being tested. Okay? Because the Lord, when he comes back, he's going to rapture up believers. But you know who are with him in the end, it says? When he comes back? Those who are chosen, those who are called, 
Revelation 17, 14, and those who are faithful, okay? And he talked about those who buried their talents. He talked about those who aren't going to make it in the end because they turned back, but then he also said this. He talked about who is a wise and faithful servant, amen? And he'll say to them, well done, good and faithful servant. So it's our faith is being tested. And it's more precious to God than worldly things and silver and gold. Our faith being tested is more precious to God than those things according to 2 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. Number two, the second reason you're not raptured right after you get saved to be in heaven and the reason God wants you to stay here is not just to test your faith, but number two is to become more like Jesus. Amen? God uses the trials that we do face and the testings that we do face if we seek him through them and we honor him through them and we cry out to him and we remain faithful to make us like gold. Job, who's a picture of our own suffering to one degree or another, amen? In James chapter five, it says that God blessed him twice as much. It says, consider the endurance of Job and how God blessed him in the end. And how did he bless him in the end? We know Job said, I know that when God's done with me, I'll come forth as gold, amen? And Peter talks about the test in our faith is, is, and Paul does as well in Romans chapter eight and 2 Corinthians chapter four and elsewhere, an incomparable blessing, you know, what God's doing in us compared, I mean, that you can't even compare it to the sufferings that we go through. He's making us like Christ. That's whose image we were made in. Amen? We were made to be in the image of Jesus. Amen? That's why he made us. He made us to be like himself, and we fell. Humanity fell into sin. Lord recovered us. He was restoring us, and he's remaking us like Jesus. That's the second reason you're here. There's a third reason. What's the third reason you're here? To win souls to Christ. Amen? To be ambassadors. Amen? We're fishermen. I'll make you fishers of men. Bringing fish into the kingdom. Men fish, you know. Bringing them into the kingdom. He said, snatch them out of the fire. We're firemen. We're fishermen. Amen? We're farmers. We plant the seed. Amen? We're farmers. We're fishermen. You know? We're firemen. We're ambassadors. The Bible uses these types of metaphors as far as pictures and the imagery that's just so rich in the scripture as to what you and I are. I love it that God just doesn't leave us hanging. It's like, we got saved, why are you here? Gives, whoo, man, just read the instructions. You'll never get through every detail. And if you think you know it really good, you'll just keep reading and say, wow, that's something I didn't see, you know. You'll say that a lot, the more you're in the word. So we have this awesome God, and he's made us ambassadors, okay, of Christ. And what an awesome reality is that we are ambassadors of Christ. What an, a, a radical honor it is, Amen to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's considered, in the world, if you're the ambassador for like, say, the United States of America to China or to Russia or wherever, that's considered something prestigious. Wow. Oh, that guy's an ambassador. Did you know that? That's nothing compared to what you are. You don't just represent some king or, or, or some president, not to disrespect their offices. That would be pretty cool. Come on. You are ambassadors, not of the king, but of the king of kings, man. Of the Lord of lords. That's what you are if you're a Christian. That's a huge deal. You're not representing the United States, man. You're representing the kingdom of God, the creator of the entire universe. And he's handpicked you not only to save you out of the kingdom that you once belonged to, to make you his representative to the lost so they too can become part of his kingdom before he comes and takes back what is his. Amen? That's a huge deal. 
That's a huge deal. You need to start rejoicing and start realizing, wow, I thought my life didn't have a lot of meaning. Wow, I didn't think my life had a whole lot of purpose. Are you kidding? You know, what a calling to be an ambassador for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah, so you, then I got to sacrifice my life by doing this because that's a big call. Yeah, but you know what? I don't look at it as much of a sacrifice as I do as an honor, you know? It's an honor, amen? What an honor it is to serve Jesus. The disciples, the apostles, man, after they were flogged and whooped because they were preaching in the city, man, they got up and they went right back in there. You know what they said? They rejoiced. I mean, their backs are ripped open and they're rejoicing. And today we'd be whining, I don't care if God's going to let me go through tribulation. I can't believe it. If a loving God wouldn't let me go through tribulation. They rejoiced. And how different the early Christians were, Amen. They rejoice, it says, that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. Amen? That's how we ought to be. We ought to be rejoicing that we're counted worthy to suffer for his name. What an honor to represent the one who gave himself for me, became a man, God, became a man who was crucified on the cross to save me. And then I'm so grateful he doesn't take me straight to heaven. I'm so grateful I can proclaim his name for a little while, whether it's weeks or months or years. What opportunity, amen? So let's, let's be thankful. And yeah, sometimes there's sacrifices he calls us to make, obviously. But those sacrifices should be an honor to us, amen? That we can serve him as such. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now I want to, as you're turning there, there's a couple places in the New Testament where we're referred to specifically as ambassadors. The Apostle Paul referring to himself, he asked for prayer. And he says, to pray for him, he says, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Because he's in prison. Okay? He's in a Roman prison in chains, but he still sees himself as an ambassador that in proclaiming it, meaning the gospel, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So in other words, pray for me so I can be a good ambassador. You know, Paul didn't say, I'm just a prisoner. My life's over. I have no, there's nothing I could do for Jesus. No, he said, I'm an ambassador, even though I'm in prison. And that, I love that, because that means when you're going through trials, and all of us go through trials, if you remember who you are in Christ, first and foremost, you're a redeemed child of God, amen? I mean, that's, that's exciting to be a redeemed child of God. But then also, you've got an assignment, man. You'd be a fireman, fisherman, farmer, ambassador. You've got all kinds of assignments, amen? You might be planting seeds. You might be taking people from the fire. You might be, you know, doing all, fishing, you know? Okay, how do I witness to this person? What kind of bait do I use? The gospel never changes, but the method of what kind of bait you use to get the gospel to people, because sometimes you've got to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Oh, I can't just walk in there with a Bible. Well, guess what? I can walk in there with tracks. One time I went to the Dodger Stadium. It wasn't to see a Dodger game. It was to witness to a bunch of, they were, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, were, Watchtower Association, they were having a huge, you know, huge convention. Now, I was a young Christian, man, you know, and I loved the street witness, so I was like out there, and I'm like, with a few of my brothers, and I was dressed like this. I didn't know you had to wear suits, so we stuck out like a sore thumb. And we started planting tracks in different places, you know, and sitting down, planting tracks. Then all of a sudden, guys came up to us, come up with this, uh, you know, with the walkie-talkies and stuff. They had us. I swept, kicked one guy. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. I just said, okay, we're out of here, you know. Harmless as doves, amen. So we left, but we got the gospel out, you know. But you find out different ways we're ambassadors, amen? Ambassadors to the cults, to the world religions, to all the lost, amen? We're reaching people for Jesus. So, 
Now, it's interesting, in chapter 5, listen to what he says here. Verse 20, this is for all believers. Oh, well, Paul was an apostle. He was an ambassador, but you know, that doesn't apply to us. Really? Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors. We, he's writing to the Corinthians, the believers. And a lot of these guys were pretty messed up, weak believers that he's telling them to get their act together in Jesus. For we, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though we were making an appeal through, uh, he were making an appeal through us. Wow. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We, that's you and me. We are ambassadors for Christ. You have a high calling. Somebody says, hey, so what do you do? I mean, what's your, what? Oh, well, I'm an ambassador. Oh, you are? Yeah. I thought you flipped burgers at Wendy's. Yeah, but that's just my second job, you know? It really is your second job. Isn't it true? I mean, whatever you do, it's your second job. Your first call is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And by the way, flipping burgers for Jesus can be awesome if you're doing it for Jesus. Because, you know, God doesn't really divide our so-called secular work from our spiritual work. We're supposed to do all our work as unto the Lord. That's the beautiful thing. Whatever you do to make money so you can pay the bills, you're supposed to still do that as an ambassador for Christ as your first job. You're supposed to shine your light. You should be, you should be the best burger flipper at Winnie's that they've ever had, okay? So people can see that you're different, amen? Or whatever you do, that, wow, this guy really cares. It's because, why does he care so much? Why is he so different? Why? Oh, he says he serves another master first. Wow. And they start to, you start to reflect the light of the Lord. So this is all very, very important is we need to understand who we are. By the way, therefore he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now the general hermeneutic is when you see the word therefore at the beginning of the verse is to ask what it is therefore, amen? So we know that. It's just a general rule of hermeneutics. You see, therefore, you know, uh, Verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. Therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? And when you look at it, you get some context here. And we see it's because of what the Lord has done in us through the gospel. What he's been saying for the last few chapters, how we were in darkness, amen? We were, we were and then God spoke, and then the light came, and we became new creations. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Because you are a new creation, because God reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because God's given you a what? Ministry of reconciliation. Oh, I wish I knew what my ministry is. Oh man, I've for years been wondering what my ministry is. And you know, people will wonder for years and years and years what their ministry is and never do the ministry God's given them. It says right here, we've been given what? He gave us the what? The ministry of what? Reconciliation. It breaks my heart that millions through the years of professing Christians have done virtually little to nothing for Jesus by way of reaching the lost. Because, and I'm talking about tons of people that have gone to seminary. What's my gift? What's my ministry? <clears throat> tons of people that are, you know, reading self-help books, well, maybe I'll, or reading books about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What gift do I have? So, and they'll just go weeks and months and years and years and years and years. And years will go by, and their neighbors don't even know they're Christians. And then they're thinking, well, someday maybe I'll go on a mission trip 
on the other side of the earth. But it's like, wait a minute, man. What about the people right around you? What about the people in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, before you go to the uttermost parts of the earth? You are the uttermost parts of the earth compared to where the gospel was first commissioned in, in Jerusalem, in the upper room, or before the upper room, when Jesus, before Jesus ascended. Amen? We're already here. And it says, those who have become new creations, if anyone be in Christ, this is anybody who's in Christ, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. And guess what? He goes on to say that Christ gave us, that's those who are the new creations of Christ, a ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. You're an ambassador? Wow. You know, I thought you were going to say some, you're, I thought you're a Christian. I thought you were going to say you're some kind of minister. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a minister too. You're a minister? Yeah. Really? Wow. You're flipping burgers. Yeah, but you know what? I'm, my identity is found in Christ. I do this for Jesus because it's just what he has me doing too. But guess what? I'm an ambassador, it says. I'm a, I'm, I'm a minister, and that doesn't mean I'm a big shot. That just means that God loved me, gave himself for me, and showed me that he wants me now to represent him, believe it or not. And he wants you to come to know Jesus too. So you could become a new creation. Because he died for you. He paid for your sins. He rose again to conquer death. And guess what? You too could know him. And guess what? He wants you to be one of his ambassadors. He wants you to be a minister. Amen? Oh, I can't be an ambassador because uh, isn't that just for the priest? Maybe it's someone with a Catholic background, right? No. Anyone be in Christ, man. Different, different positions in ministry God gives us, Right? But you can be a ministry of, if you're a male or female, you are, in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek. We're all ministers of reconciliation. Amen. Now God calls females, not men, to have babies. Even though a lot of men want to be women today. It's ridiculous. God calls men to the office of pastorship. That's clear in 1 Timothy 2. So we recognize God has distinctions how we minister. Amen. But he does give us a direct call to continue and reach out and minister to the lost. So it's absolutely imperative that we recognize that, that therefore is therefore because of who we are in Christ and what he's done for us. That he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. You know, the scriptures talk about how we are new creations. But when we become new creations, I want you to notice, I, I thought this was very interesting as I was looking at some these scriptures lately. Because I've also been looking at this in kind of parallel with Ephesians chapter 2 a little bit because I've been meditating on that a, a bit. And I thought, wow, it's interesting because here we're new creations, but as new creations in Christ, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. Most people that say they're Christians have no idea that they're supposed to be ministers. And if they're true Christians, that they're ministers and that they're ambassadors, that they're firemen, that they're fishermen, that they're farmers, and on and on and on. And it's because the church doesn't know what we're called to and doesn't know our identity in Christ that the church flounders and nothing gets done hardly. That the labors are so few. And Jesus knew this was gonna happen. He said the labors are few. Pray that God would send the labors out of the harvest because it's, it's ripe, it's ready to be harvested. Amen? Now it's interesting. If you go to Ephesians chapter two, we read a very interesting verse again. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship What's the very next word? Created, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You catch that? Now guess what we always quote? And I quote verses eight and nine 
100 to 1 over verse 10. I admit it. I quote it all. For, by grace we're saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. Because we celebrate the fact that we're saved by God's grace through faith through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. But you notice in verse 10, the very next verse, for, what's the for, therefore? You know, same question. Since we become new creations in 2 Corinthians, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're his ambassadors. Since we've been saved by grace through faith, amen, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not just left here to be bumps on a log. We're left here to do the works that he's planned for us to do. God has work for you and I to do. True faith has to have works, amen. Faith without works, James says, is what? Dead. We're not saved as a result of our works. He saves us by his pure grace through what Christ did on the cross, amen, through us, through by his grace through faith. So when we look to him and respond to the gift he's offering us and recognize our sin and we have, we're poor in spirit, we say, yes, I accept it. We turn to him in faith and embrace him as our Lord and Savior. Praise God. We're saved by his grace through faith. But guess what? The result of that is a work of God whereby he works in us to do and will, to will and do his good purpose. Amen? So if you go before chapter or verse 10, for we are, what? His workmanship created in Christ Jesus you know, four good works, right? Verse, chapter two, verse one. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's before we came to Jesus. We were dead in our trespasses and sins in which you formerly what? Walked. We used to walk in trespasses, in sin, in rebellion to God according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So we were dead. It doesn't mean we had no existence that we didn't make any decisions. It's a metaphor talking about spiritually separated from God. As Paul will later say in the same book, in chapter four, where he talks about being alienated or separated from the life of God. That was us. But we were walking still. We were the walking dead. It says we're dead. Our trespasses says, we were the true zombies. I've did messages. We are the zombies. Okay? We've met the zombies and we are them. Compared to what we were created to be, with physical bodies that had no death, we're, we're, we're stinky, we're smelling, we're rotting away, man. That's, the Bible says our outer man's decaying, the inner man's being renewed if you're a believer, thank God, and we get the resurrection in the end, amen. But we're the zombies. We're the walking dead. We're walking according to the prince of power there, the spirit that's at work through the children's disobedience. He was at work in our lives. We were walking in those things. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Man, I mean, that's just, there's so much I want to cover, so I can't cover all this, but man, we were just lusting and walking and, and, and just praying for one, uh, uh, not praying for one another, praying after each other. That's how it was before we knew Jesus, you know, just living for ourselves, children of wrath. Verse four, I love verse four. But God, but God stepped in, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love. What a contrast with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved, have been saved, amen? And raised us up with him, and seated us up with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, man. Just like, remember that story, Mephibosheth and how he's just a great picture. He's destitute, he's hiding from King David and Dean brings him to his palace, adopts him as a son and puts him at the table in the king's palace. God has put our, our names in heavenly places, amen. So that he might show us his grace for the ages to come. Throughout the ages to come, God's gonna show us more and more of his grace. 
can't get my brain around it. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Yes, you have the responsibility to trust so you can receive that grace. And then he goes on to say that you're not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 10 now, look, for we, because of all that, are his workmanship. Amen? What work? Redemption, man. Regeneration. We're born again. Amen? We become new creations. For we are his workmanship created, just like it says we're new creations in 2 Corinthians 5.17, been given ambassadorship, we become ministers. Here we're created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God, listen to this, which God prepared beforehand that we, so that we would what? Walk in them. Notice the contrast. First few verses, we walked according to the prince's power of the air. We were dead in our sins, right? And we were following Satan. What's happening here? Now we're following the Lord God. And now we're walking in works of righteousness, amen, that he prepared for us to do from the beginning. See the contrast? First few verses, we were sons of disobedience. We were following Satan, whether you knew it or not. And you were walking in rebellion to God, following lust. Here it says that we created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we would walk in them. You have a different walk. If you're a Christian, you have a different walk. You're not any, if you're truly a Christian, you're not walking and, and making your decisions based on lust and praying on people. Now you're making your decisions to follow the Lord and walking in the newness of the Spirit. Amen? You're seeking Him. You're seeking Jesus. You're not, you're not following the ways of this world. Now it's interesting. We have this incredible commission whereby we have been saved and then commissioned to be ministers, to be ambassadors, to walk in good works. I love this, that God prepared for you to do from the beginning, before the world was created. Before he created the universe, God had a plan for you to walk in his will, to serve him and share the gospel. That means you, who are trusting Jesus, any, any one of you who loves Jesus, trusting him, has been called to follow him, to, with works he's prepared for you to do since the beginning of creation so that you can be a witness to the lost. That doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where you're at. He has things for you to do. And you simply need to say, God, I'm willing to go and go. And say, God, give me divine appointments. Use me. Put people in my path. Put me in the path of people. Okay? And Father, if I don't see you putting me, people in my path, then I realize you're telling me to get in people's path. But either way, help me go. And as I'm going, help me make disciples. Well, I have a really hard time ministering to the lost and sharing the gospel. How hard is it to pass out a track? It's not the easiest thing you can do on planet Earth. But what if they give me a bad look? Come on, I know most of you are not saying that, not if you're not involved in our ministry any time long. I mean, the early apostles, man, almost every one of them was put to death, and we're going to worry about a bad look? These people are dying, and they're perishing forever. Okay, we need to have hearts for them. And it's not, and you, by the way, you just don't make disciples by witnessing the lost. You encourage those who've become saved to be disciples, and you teach them and encourage one another, amen? So you encourage your brethren. Sometimes that means just encouraging the Lord with love and, and pointing in the right direction, being an example, but it's beyond that, too. It also means if your brother sin against you, going to him and, and confronting them in love. You know, that's part of the discipleship process and encouraging them to grow. But what blows me away about this, I love verse 10 because it says, we are his workmanship. Wow. The Greek word is poema, Okay. It's related to the word poeta, which is a, a poet. And poema is the Greek word from which we get the word poem, you know? So a lot of times preachers will say, we are God's poem is what this means. No, it doesn't mean we're God's poem, although the word poem 
you know, comes from this and it's rooted in it, you know, we're far more than God's poem. Yes, no doubt. I mean, because uh, this word has to do with statues. It's used of works of art. It's used of Romans chapter one, verse 20. It's used one other time in the New Testament of God creating. It's used in the Old Testament, Septuagint, Greek translation of the Old Testament, Psalm 145 of God creating the universe. And that's why you can be translated, for instance, NIV translates, we are his handiwork, amen. We're far more than a poem though. And praise God, you are the poem of all poems in Jesus, amen. Because you are living epistles walking letters, living letters that are read of men, written by the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ that blows away in a human poem. Okay? It's, it's a blow mine. Think about it, man. What you are, what God made you to be. You are God's work of art. In fact, the, the New Living Translation says we are his, not workmanship, not handiwork, NIV, but we are his masterpiece. Masterpieces. Hmm, let me see. The creator of the universe, who's the most incredible, ultimate artist of all time, made you, he's the ultimate master. Amen? You're the master of masters, masterpiece. Amen? Now that I think about it, you're the master of masters, masterpiece. And it's so awesome because it's like, well, that when I realize that I'm in the master's hands and that when he is sculpting me, he's called the potter, amen? And we're the pottery. So definitely we're works of art he's making, Right? But we have to make a choice to become vessels of mercy, it says, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We choose to be vessels that are a blessing rather than vessels of destruction. You have a choice, Paul says in 2 Timothy 2. What kind of vessel, if you submit to him and you allow him to make, you praise God. If you're like, I'm going through too much, I'm done with God. Woo, watch out. Become a vessel of wrath. Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, she's an awesome gal. I remember when I was recording, they sold their souls for rock and roll in a video bay in Westlake. She was, she'd come in uh, during the week just next to me in the hall, you know, and she'd record her shows, you know. Uh, but she was, she's, she's quadriplegic. She, would, she had an accident where she dove in the water, you know, hit a rock and came up and lost the usage of her arms and legs. And, but you know what? She didn't, and you know what? She said God worked in her life through that. She was not walking with God at the time. And God used that to get her attention. And she states that she realizes what God had done, but she says she doesn't always understand it, but she trusts him, that he knows best. And in her book, uh, after this tragic uh, accident that she had, in her book, A Place of Healing, she writes, quote, speaking of this word poema, God has a plan and a purpose for my time on earth. He is the master artist or sculptor, and he is the one who chooses the tools he will use to perfect his workmanship. What of suffering then? What of illness? What of disability? Am I to tell him which tools he can use and which tools he can't use? In the lifelong task of perfecting me and molding me into the beautiful image of Jesus? Do I really know better than him? So that I, so she goes on to say, so that I can state without equivocation that it's always his will to heal me or of any physical affliction? She says, if I am his poem, do I have the right to say, no, Lord, you need to trim line number two in the poem and brighten up lines number three and five. They're just a little bit too dark. Do I, the poem, the thing being written, know more than the poet? I love that. No, we don't. We need to make right decisions because sometimes we take ourselves out of his hands and we 
run in rebellion to him, and we make a horror story out of what's supposed to be a beautiful poem ultimately in our lives. Amen? But when we submit to him, sometimes we go through things we do not understand. That is for sure of each and every one of us. But guess what? If you continue to hold fast in faith, because that Job was like, what is going on? But he held on. It got tough at times, but he held on. In the end, he was blessed twice as much. Don't ever let go, man. Hold on to Jesus. Amen? Because, you know, there's epic poems like Milton's Paradise Lost and Milton's, you know, Paradise Regained. And people are like, wow, these poems are so amazing. Those poems are nothing, man. Because guess what? You yourself are a walking version of the ultimate Paradise Lost and Paradise Regained. Amen? And you're called to be a living epistle that God expresses through animating you and being a picture of Jesus. Picture of Jesus, yeah. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up in due time. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for you. You're supposed to be a picture of Jesus, amen. Wives, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, if you go back to the end of chapter 2, are also supposed to be a picture of Jesus, men and women in general. So we are his handiwork. We are his masterpieces. But I'll tell you what, you don't go around saying, man, I'm a masterpiece. No, guess what? Without Jesus... And without his grace in your life, what do you have, it says, but what you've received? You are not a masterpiece. You are just dust. That's, that's, you're worse than dust. You're sinner dust. Okay? I thought, I thought about this morning. I guess we're not just dust, Lord. We're sinner dust. You're sinner dust. I'm sinner dust without Jesus. But Jesus said, apart from me, you could do nothing. We were made in God's image. Whew. Masterpieces. We rebelled. And become less than nothing, it says, in our rebellion to God. We botch up what he's done. Unless we resubmit ourselves to the grace of God. Amen. Because you know what your worth, people talk about self-worth. You know what your self-worth is outside of Jesus? People talk about self-worth and self-esteem and self-agnosium, self-ad infinitum. You know what your self is worth outside of Jesus? I looked this up just recently again in case the prices had changed. Uh, you know what? Your body is 99% a mass of six elements. Oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, and phosphorus. Phosphorus, phosphorus and calcium are the most expensive elements in your body. Okay? Now, if you were to break down these elements, guess how much they would be worth? $576. It's not worth processing your body to get them either. So really less. And you know what? You can get more, more of some of these elements, the more expensive ones, if you eat more fish and cheese. So if you eat like sardine pizza, maybe you're worth a few more bucks. I don't know. The other percent is worth about $9 of the elements that are in your body. So your body, your physical body is worth like 600 bucks outside of Jesus. And it's worth less because people aren't going to process it because it take, would take so much time and money that it, wouldn't be worth, it would be worth zero in the end. But guess what? It's not the paint. It's not the dust. God made us a dust to show us that it's about what he's doing in us and what, the life that he's given us. And he gave us, he animated us by giving us the spirit. Amen? But it's crazy is this. How much do you think the paint costs that Rembrandt used or some of these incredible painters? Not a whole lot of money. But the paintings are worth what? today. Tens of millions of dollars because of what they've done with the paint. And what they've done with their paint is just a picture. In many cases of an animal or usually a human being, 
You are a human, and you're a picture of God in the sense that you're made in his image, amen? So you're far more a masterpiece than anything that gets sold or looked at at museums, depending on whether or not you allow the Lord to live in you. Because it's not these earthen vessels made of dust. It says we have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. He's a treasure, amen? We get our value through him. Him making us in his image, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Whoa! And through him living in us, amen? Oh, he cares about us. It says he values us more than many birds that are sold on the market. Jesus said that. It says he's, we're, so, we're precious to him. He so loved us. He gave his only begotten son. He shed his precious blood, First Peter chapter 1, which is more precious than things like silver and gold, which are corruptible. Whoa. God redeemed us, Acts chapter 20, with his own blood. Wow. Absolutely mind-blowing. So yeah, guess what? God loves you very much. He values you because he created you in his image and he loves you and he set his affection upon you. Not because of self-worth, but because of who he is. Amen? And we get our brains around that. We start to find out that our identity is in Christ. Amen? That's where we have joy. That's where we have value. When we're rebelling to him, we're sinner dust. <sighs> Just gets rid of us in the end. Separates us from himself forever because we refuse to be submitted to him. Amen? So it's very, very important that we understand the beauty of what the Lord wants to do. Apart from, uh, apart from him, we are merely dust. But in him, in him, we're the crowning jewel. We're his crowning jewel by his grace, amen? In him, we are, let's say it this way, in him, we are but outside of him, we are but sinner dust, amen? But in him and by his grace, we are his crowning jewel. He redeemed us by his grace to give him glory forever, amen? I love that story, you know, of uh, that old violin. You remember that story? Old story, man. This old violin, I mean, there was an auction going on, but there's an old violin and the auctioneer was tired. He wanted to go home. It was like, oh, he couldn't believe it was one of the last things and it was just old and cranky and he, you know, could barely make a sound and he held it up and nobody was really bidding on it because he just, you know, twanged it. You don't really twang a violin typically. And guess what? An old guy in his 70s came up and he wanted to look at the violin and he tuned its strings, took a little oil out of his pocket, old timer, oiled it up and so forth. And guess what? Then he started to play it and it played so beautifully. All of a sudden it was like, 20,000 pesos, 50,000 pesos, 150,000 pesos. And everybody's like, <laughs> and we're like that old crummy violin without Jesus, man. We're broken. We're not what we should be, man. Amen. We're actually, wow, poor violin. What happened? But you put us in the master's hands, amen. We are his workmanship made for his glory, his masterpieces, amen. So you want to make sure that you are in Jesus' hands. An ambassador is an official representative of a governing power, for instance, uh, uh, or a government. For instance, we see this of um, ambassador for Pharaoh in Isaiah 30, verse 4, and ambassador for the prince of Babylon, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31, and ambassador for Necho, the king of Egypt, in 2 Chronicles chapter 35, verse 21, uh, messengers or ambassadors that are sent by Hezekiah, the king of Judah, uh, to Sennacherib, uh, the king of Syri uh, Syria, in Isaiah chapter 33, verse 7. In fact, it's interesting, the same Hebrew term that can be translated messenger or ambassador is used when Jacob sends people uh, to Esau 
in Genesis chapter 32, verse 3, to make peace. Well, we're God's ambassadors, having more important jobs than any of those guys had to represent our king to a lost and spiritually dead world. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, okay? Now back to chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. So first and foremost, we're ambassadors. Ambassadors don't just do whatever they want to do, amen? They have to correctly represent the sentiments of the one that has sent them, amen? They don't change the message. They don't get there and say, you know what? President Trump said this, you know, to say this. This is what the administration, State Department, I'm supposed to tell China this, you know. But I'm going to let them know, hey, you know what? We, I'm going to change it up and say, we love you having all of our manufacturing jobs and all of our technology and, and hiding the whole COVID thing for so long. And we think you guys are really great. And we're just going to report how well you're doing, you know, and just, just give me a place in your government in the future. Or something strange like that. Guess what? You'd be a wicked ambassador, right? You don't change up the message that's given to you. Well, guess what? As Christians, we're ambassadors, it says right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians verse 5, verse 20, or chapter 5, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. We belong to him. We don't change up the message. We don't add or take away from the message. We don't say, oh, I'm going to leave the cross out. Oh, I'm not talking about hell. I'm not going to talk about holiness. I'm not going to talk about discipleship. I'm not going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, repentance and all these things. I'm not going to, or I'm going to add this. I'm going to add that. I'm going to add this. I'm going to add that. No, we have to be faithful to the message that he has given us as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We don't add anything or take anything away from his message, amen. We are ambassadors for Christ, the one who gave himself for us and loved us. Number two, when you look at the text, what's the substance of our message? What, what are we doing, okay? What are we, what, what's our goal? Look at the very next. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God, what? God, we're making an appeal through us, Amen. So we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Our mission, okay? We're ambassadors for Christ, number one. Our mission as ambassadors for Christ is that people would be reconciled to God, amen? That they be able to be made right with God, amen? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't say, oh, I'm an ambassador, but I believe in universalism. That means everybody's gonna be saved in the end. Well, then you don't have to tell people to be reconciled to God because they're going to be reconciled to God. That's a lie. You have to understand our goal is that pe- we have to understand that people are lost, that there is a very real hell, and people are going to be separated from God forever, and we need to reach them with the gospel, and we need to let them know you need to be reconciled to God. You need to get right, amen? You need to follow Jesus. That's imperative. So it's important that we understand what our message is. Or I should say the goal of our message is that people are reconciled to God. Proverbs 11.30 says, uh, and he who is wise wins souls. It says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who, wins, he who is wise wins souls. We need to make disciples. We're called to make disciples. Okay? Absolutely important. And Jesus said, go, to make, go make disciples. That's a command. Number one, what did he say? Make disciples, baptizing them, Right? He talked about, number one, you introduce them to Jesus and you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And number two, you teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you, Jesus said. We teach them God's word. I'm constantly a disciple. I'm constantly preaching God's word to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm always witnessing, sharing with the lost as well. Okay, not saying you have to do all or both of those things all the time, but you know. In fact, it's interesting, disciples. 
making disciples. I love that. You know, the term disciple is used, disciple is a follower of Jesus, a learner of Jesus, one who follows his teaching. That's used about 250 times in the New Testament, disciple. Wow. And some say, well, you can become a believer, but you don't need to be a disciple. Are you kidding me? The term disciple and believer are used synonymously. Amen. The believers, it says, in Acts 11, 26, it says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. If you're a disciple, you're a Christian. Amen? So we need to make sure that we are sharing the word and that the goal is to win the loss to Jesus and uh, have them reconciled to God. And what blows me away is so many people are losing focus of just making disciples. Having people reconciled to God. And they'll go through all kinds of hoops through their professing Christian walks and they'll just leave undone the very thing that God calls us to do. Don't be one of those folks. Don't get to the end of your life and say, wow, I didn't work on making any disciples. You're his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, prepared beforehand. He's already got it laid out for you. You just have to say, God, use me to make disciples. Shift my passions. I'm sick and tired of the enemy dissuading me to go this way or that way and run around like a, through all these different, you know, rabbit holes, not... Sharing with Jesus. Make your life count right now. Yeah, it's right, really hard right now because the whole COVID-19 is happening. You know what? You can still get on your phone and encourage people. You can still text people. You can still share with the people at a distance when you're out and about. Shine the light of Jesus in some way. You can still pray for people. The fervent prayer of a righteous man. Pray fervently. Avails much. Trust God and just pray for people too. There's so many things you could be doing for Jesus that are so important. And it's blessed me. I can't tell you so many different people that I've been corresponding with or seeing or hearing from just the neat things that are happening. I was just talking to uh, Jim Sanford and he, was, uh, he wanted to talk to me and we're chatting for a while and, and he was like sharing with me how there's a minister in Israel where the guy, he's followed his ministry for some time because it's all about, you know, getting people to know the gospel and so forth. He, he likes the ministry, but he said the guy just went in the heresy, starts also in his last newsletter, he said he's sharing how we got to keep the law of Moses, have to keep the feast days, have to keep the Sabbath and all this stuff. And Jim's like, what happened to this guy? And they shared with me the email he shared with him. Very kind, very nice email. Encouraged the guy that he needs to turn back to solid teaching, warning him. And the guy wrote him back and he's going to write him back. And I thought, praise God, Jimmy, you're using your time wisely right now. He can't go to work right now, but guess what? He can work for Jesus and do his first job still. You can still do your first job, the most important one. Or you could do some of your, a lot of you are still working with your other job, but praise God, your first job is still, don't ignore your first job. Serving Jesus, amen? And then he said, hey, bro, he sent me a picture of a couple doves, you know, or, and he says, look, it was, and he goes, you, won't, you did that Resurrection Sunday message on the Resurrection Dove, and as you're doing that, he goes, my sister-in-law, you know, she sent me this picture or someone else a picture, he saw the picture, he goes, what's the odds of that? I go, yeah, bro, what a great opportunity to give her the message, you know? He texts me, I goes, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that, you know? So you stay busy for Jesus. You find ways to stay busy. Uh, sister two, Myers came to our house. Knock, knock, knock. Lisa and I answered. She kept her distance, you know? Uh, social distancing, you know? And uh, we're talking, and she's like, we're kind. I was like, you can come in, you know? But okay, now we understand. And she had some, like, was it nem sod? Sticky rice with mango. Oh, Lord God. I mean, that was when I was like, not, I was like unbridled a little bit, you know, the first early part, you know. I lost 10 pounds in the last, from last Sunday to this Sunday. 10 pounds in a week, by the grace of God. But anyway, uh, that sticky rice stuck to me, though, too. That convicted me, man. But uh, anyway, that was so sweet of her. But she was talking about how she's in tears. 
Lisa and I were talking to her, and she was in tears. And it was beautiful because she talked about how she's got so close to Jesus through being locked in. I mean, can you imagine living with Rich Myers? How you're going to really, I'm kidding. <laughs> we love Rich, you know, he's a lot of fun. But uh, I'm teasing Rich, we love you, bro. Uh, but man, uh, and she was teary and she's talking about, I shared your podcast and your, your, your live streams with my sister Teresa and she named a couple other gals that, and they're all listening to it now, you know? And guess what? She's sharing Jesus. If you listen, you're sharing our podcast, you're sharing our live stream, you're sharing Jesus. Amen. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen. And she's making use of her time and she's seen fruit. Amen. And it blessed my heart to hear that, just to see people going for it, you know? And the people that have strung together to help out and get these productions done, you know? You know, I'm looking at the Waldens right now, you know, and they've been such a, uh, so beautiful, you know, and, and, and James and Haley and, and Tom Witt, who just, I don't think he's missed a day in over 20 years. Crazy. Uh, Tony Palacio back there and all kinds of other people that you don't, that aren't even here right now that are always at work. People that are still, they're like, oh, you know what? I have a good excuse not to give. I'm not, I'm not coming to Blessed Hope right now. They don't know I'm there. We don't give because we're not the ones that look. I don't look at who gives what, you know, but guess what? Lord does, and there's people that are like, hey, you know what? I want to give because I believe in what God's doing there, and they're still, the money's still coming in so we can keep the lights on and, and not get kicked out of this place, and not that you could right, right now anyway, but uh, so people can still uh, put food on their tables and do ministry, you know? We got th 12 or 13 people on staff here. It doesn't happen, it just doesn't happen by osmosis, you know? So, so many people are helping in so many ways, but so many people are tangibly sharing the gospel, shining the light, you know, helping people out. I'm seeing precious people of God reaching out, helping other people, you know, financially that are in need, people that are hurting. And it's like, wow, Lord, people just love you. And it's so beautiful to see that they're walking the talk, amen? They're walking the talk. And I'll tell you what, uh, Think of it this way, you know. Uh, there, there's two things. They're ambassadors of Christ. So we're ambassadors of Jesus, number two. We need to know what our mission is, that people will be reconciled to God. We saw that in the text as well. Okay, number three. We need to know what our message is. We know who we serve as ambassadors. King Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords, amen. That was high calling. We know what our mission is, that people will be reconciled to God, amen. We know what our message is, amen. We need to know, first of all, as ambassadors, who's our master? Quiz. We're ambassadors of Christ. What's our mission? That people would be what? Reconciled to God, amen? Master, mission, what's our message? What's our message as ambassadors? Well, look at the text. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's our master that we serve. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's our mission. Verse 21, what's our message? He made him, that is Jesus, our master, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Amen? He made him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect, precious, most beautiful person in the universe, creator of all things, the most innocent, defiled lamb of God, undefiled lamb of God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. He was sinless. He was still the sinless lamb of God, undefiled on the cross. Amen? But he made him who had no sin to take our sin and be accounted as the one that would accept the wrath that we deserved on our behalf so that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. Amen? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our message is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God became a man, died 
on the cross in your place, was buried and rose again and conquered death so that you could be the righteous of God in him. He took your condemnation and your sin so you could partake of his righteousness. Amen? And you could be declared righteous in him because we are now in Christ Jesus. Amen? How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? Now, I'll tell you what. If all of a sudden they found an antidote, right now they're talking about a vaccination for COVID-19. And you know, even if they get a vaccination, they're saying it could be six months out, probably a year and a half out, and if it'll even work. And if it works, I mean, how, many, how good are these vaccinations for the flus? They don't work for most people. But what if they say we found out, we've got a 100% antidote, you just take this pill, no side effects, and it takes COVID-19 away. And that you were appointed as an ambassador to tell everybody else about it and go bring bags of it to the people. Huge, huge, you know, set with jetliners with millions of pills. People would be excited, but guess what? There's something far worse than COVID-19 going on. Because so far, COVID-19 hasn't done anything compared to what they thought was going to happen in this country. Isn't that true? Right? Somewhat because of the mitigation and somewhat because the numbers were radically skewed and put everybody in fear and locked down. But I'll tell you what. What is real, and we could prove, is that sin has a 100% mortality rate. 150,000 people die every day because of sin. We fell away from God. We rebelled against God. 150,000 a day die, not of COVID-19, of sin. The wage of sin is death. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The soul that sins shall die, on and on and on. But guess what? Man, if we had an antidote to sin, we do. His name is Jesus Christ, amen? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've always wanted to preach at my wife, you know? Praise God, I'm just teasing, baby. But uh, we do have an antidote to sin. His name is Jesus, amen? He take, he's the Lamb of God who takes away our sins, amen? And if someone was dying of COVID-19 and, you know, or you're dying of COVID-19, right? That's how I share the gospel sometimes. I'll use AIDS usually, now I'll use COVID-19 when I'm street witnessing sometimes, is, hey, you're dying of COVID-19 and you're, you've got the, it's, it's in your lungs. There's, you know, no amount of medic medications working and someone is next to you and they take your COVID-19 upon themselves and they die in your place. Would you be grateful? <sighs> yeah. Well, guess what? We're dying of sin. And Jesus went to a cross far harder than laying next to you. And he died a horrible death on the cross, crucified for you so that you could be saved. And they rose again and conquered the grave. And we have the evidence of Holy Scripture with all the prophecies written long before they took place and the, and the testimony of the apostles themselves who oftentimes sealed their blood saying he is risen as part of their testimony. Amen? We have the antidote. We need to be sharing the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with people. Amen? And now, wouldn't it be sad? What if you were given, you and a few, some other people, COVID-19 was killing more and more people. They let people back out and all of a sudden it backfires. All of a sudden it's like, wow, this has come way stronger than it was at first. And all of a sudden you're given the antidote, you and other people. Here, you just take the message of these pills and so forth. And then the fake media is saying, this doesn't really work, you know, because it, say it came out of the Trump administration. This doesn't really work, what Trump's saying. And a lot of people aren't taking it. You're trying to persuade, no, it does work, da 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 uh, you might take that seriously if you were commissioned by the government to do that. And you, can, and you knew it worked, right? 
And if you didn't work, you just sat on the big bags of pills that you were given to pass out to people. Just sitting on your hands. Oh, great. Football's back. Oh, basketball's back. Oh, baseball's back. And you lose sight of what you're called to do. Oh, wow, my favorite TV show's back. That would be a terrible thing. Don't lose sight of what you're called to do when this thing ends. And don't lose sight right now. We have the 100% antidote for something that has 100% mortality rate. And it's not just dying. It's dying and being separated from God and going to the lake of fire forever and ever. We should be far more serious because we have a greater commissioner. We have a greater king, the king of kings, lord of lords. We have a greater call. There's a greater uh, uh, disparity. Everybody has sin. And there's a greater punishment or outcome of those that are in sin. All of that should mean this. Get off our rear ends and serve Jesus, man. Why are you standing there? They're looking in the sky. The disciples, he went up in the cloud. And the angel's like, why are you standing here? Go! Amen? Oh, no, we need to sit and listen just to reinvigorate us, to inspire us, to motivate us. But then we need to go. We need to get up and go. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. This was one message, but really it's two now. How many of you think we should preach this again? Now, usually when I say that, if I was a part two, I'll get a bunch of hands. I only got a few people here. So it's going to be real easy for me to count. But I know what I've been commissioned to preach. <laughs> so it's one vote that counts as his. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to finish this message. But praise God, we'll have part two next week. I love you guys so much. And uh, rejoice that if you're trusting Jesus, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the one that's commissioned us. Amen. We are ambassadors of who? Christ. Amen. Remember who your master is and serve him. Jesus said, why do you call me master if you don't do what I say? Obey him. We know what the mission is, that people would be reconciled to God that have been separated from because of their sin, because Jesus bridges the gap because he paid for their sins, that he's the way to the Father now. Amen. That we can be right with the Father. And then we know what the messages his death on our behalf he became sin for us amen gave himself for us and rose again so that we could become the righteousness of god there's a lot more meat on this bone for us next week but i encourage you if you don't know the lord jesus christ and you're listening right now don't reject you have a responsibility too if you're hearing right now it's because we're fulfilling our responsibility of getting the gospel to you, of being ambassadors for Christ. I'm one of many, 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 many ambassadors of Christ. And I'm sharing with you, he loves you. I'm sharing with you, I was in your position. I'm not sharing with you because I'm something. I'm sharing with you because he's everything to me. And he saved me from my sins. And he commissioned me to go and gave me a ministry of reconciliation and made me an ambassador. And he wants you to know that you're gonna perish forever, but he's giving you the antidote to sin. He's giving you himself. He died on the cross for you to pay for your sins because you're a sinner. Like me, all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And the wage of sin is death. We've earned it because of our sin. We, he owes us death because he's a just and righteous God. Oh, you could be saved if you're perfect and righteous, but none are perfect. You can't add up to God's standard. You, that's, his standard is perfection. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, Jesus said. Paul, Paul said no one continues to do all of the law. And we're all under a curse. That's why Jesus went to the tree and, because it says cursed is everyone who, 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 who gets killed on a tree and he was killed in your place. To take your sin so you could be forgiven and you could be in him and 
be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. Don't reject such a perfect gift because guess what? There's antidotes to different diseases that people will reject. I don't want it. And they'll just die at times. We have the antidote. You can reject it. But it's not going to be on us, the ambassadors. It's going to be on your decision to reject the medicine that the great physician encouraged us to give you, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't reject Jesus. Because Jesus said, he that's not with me is against me. So if you're not for him, you're against him. And you'll be separated from him forever because he's the creator and the redeemer. We encourage you to call upon him now. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Turn to Jesus in faith as your Lord and Savior. Turn from a life of rebellion against him and turn to him in faith, in repentant faith and embrace this eternal life that could be yours in Christ Jesus. Amen.